episode of NBA Geekly, presented to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me on this fine, crisp Saturday afternoon is, well, fine, crisp Saturday afternoon for me here in Georgia. I don't know how it is for you in Jersey. It might be really fucking cold, um, but uh, Juwan, <laughs> Juwan Carter, what's up, man? How you doing? What is going on, man? Uh, long time now here. Uh, it, it's pretty cold here, you know, as as to expect for for New Jersey, New York. Um, but I'm really glad to do this episode. So um, forget the cold. I'm inside and I'm ready to I'm ready to go. Indeed, sir. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you back. It has been a while since you've been on the show, um, but uh, it's it's really great to have you back, especially for this show. Um, because we're going to be recapping uh, the NBA decade, um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to go through a lot of topics uh, as far as uh, the, sort of a decade in review type of situation. So um, we'll get to that, but before we do, um, I do want to talk about a couple Christmas Day games um, that I think are uh, – Really important, and actually, we're really good planning on behalf of the um, people who make the schedule. Um, simply because they matched up what I think are the two best teams in the West and the two best teams in the East, and we got a couple really good games out of it, and perhaps something really telling as far as how these two teams stack up when, you know, if and when they meet uh, come playoff time. Uh, So let's start with the L.A. teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, The Clippers defeated the Lakers uh, for the second time this season. And it's, it's very interesting to me because obviously LeBron did not seem 100%. Uh, he, he's been dealing with uh, some kind of groin injury, um, uh, and, you know, he, he definitely didn't seem like he was. AD just didn't seem like he knew what he was doing in this game. He – like, th- there was one play where he caught the ball outside at about 17, 18 feet. And he caught it, and he just he, – he didn't dribble. He just, like, kind of shook, 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 fake right, come back, and then just fucking took an open jumper – or took a contested jumper, rather, um, from, like, 17, 18 feet. And this, this – it very much reminded me of, like, Carmelo Anthony as far as, like, like prime mellow, uh, like how he could just – he could get away with that because you were comfortable with him taking that shot. Um, but it's not the best laid plans for an offense. It's not the best way to utilize um, this kind of player. And I think it was a that particular play to me was like this microcosm of what the Lakers need to work on, and it is getting Anthony Davis – to be the best version of Anthony Davis. And if they can do that, then I think they're going to the, – the, 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 as uh, Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling is the roof. 
Um, but you can't do that. It's it's gonna be tough treading to be able to beat this Clippers team in a seven game series, and I still don't think they've quite figured it out. He's just such an impossible matchup for so many teams, um, and he kind of should be an impossible matchup for the Clippers. Like he should be the force that is unstoppable, um, because really, like as great of defenders as Paul George and uh, um, Kawhi Leonard are, they, they should not be able to guard Anthony Davis. Um, they really shouldn't be able to guard LeBron James either. Um, and they were able to kind of keep both of those players in check in this game through switches and, you know, uh, throwing different bodies at them. They, obviously, the Clippers have a lot more depth than the Lakers do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to be something interesting to monitor – I picked the Clippers to come out of the West um, at the beginning of the season. I thought the the acquisitions that they made and the fact that they were able to keep some semblance of depth, the, you know, Mo Harkless trade was always interesting to me. Um, I thought he's a player you can throw out there in, in, in key minutes. Um, Jermichael Green was a really solid signing. Uh, they still have – to me, a big question of can Zubat be like a center that you that doesn't get utterly played out the floor in the playoffs? Uh, but because they have Jermichael Green and they have um, uh, Montrez Harrell, they they like have answers to that. And like that's that's the thing that the Lakers don't seem to have. They don't like if one of their guys is you know turns out to be some kind of weak link, they don't have the answers to them that the Clippers have. And I think this was a big statement game by the Clippers, um, even more so than opening day, because, I mean, to me, opening day, obviously they didn't have Paul George. They still won. It was kind of – people. I think people made a bigger deal of it than it really was, maybe myself included. I don't really remember. Um, But – I do think this game speaks even more to why the Clippers should be favored in a seven-game series against the Lakers um, just because of uh, their versatility. Um, do you see this the same way, and like, what do you think this game really um, – do you think this game has uh, as much significance as I have uh, proclaimed that it does? Um, no, mainly because I don't have the Clippers coming out of the West. I didn't when we did sure. the um the show for the start of the the season. I told you I mm-hmm. don't believe that Paul George will show up when Kawhi needs him most. And I felt as though sure. Paul George was pretty quiet in this game. Um, so that's my biggest fear. It has nothing to do with the team as a whole. It has nothing to do with Doc. Because um, I think if you just close your eyes and went. You have Kawhi and Doc on the same team. You would go, well, that's yeah. who I want to go with. Um, right. I, I don't necessarily have the Lakers either, really. Um, at, at this moment, I did at the start of the season. At this moment, I, I don't. Um, my biggest issue with the Lakers is I watch Anthony Davis, and I feel as though he has the same syndrome that Amari started to develop when Melo got there. It's like, what do I do? Like, you're the guy, obviously. I want to be the guy, um, but clearly right. I can't.
Um, so what do I do? So I feel like when he gets the ball, it's like, well, I have to do something with it. He just gave it to me. And it's like, no, you have to make the, the right play. And I feel as though what LeBron is going to have to try his hardest to do is help Anthony Davis not only be the best big man in the game, also help his vision on the court. There's no reason why a team with Rondo and LeBron don't have Anthony Davis as one of the best big, uh, one of the best passing big men in the game this season. Help him, help him with his court vision. Um, so when he gets the ball, it's not like I have to make him. I have to shoot it. You don't have to shoot it. Try to draw a double team. Um, find uh, right. a wide open in the corner or, or Jared Dudley or something. So it's like you've got to try to help him realize that he's more than just an offensive threat. Um, and I think once he gets comfortable with that, if it's what he wants, <clears throat> then that team will be primed and ready to go. Um, my also Also, my other issue with the Lakers is, Again, you said it at the, at, at the top. Um, LeBron was, you know, kind of working with something nagging going on injury-wise. But he has to, especially at his age, learn one thing. This is not guaranteed. Like next year, there could be something drastic that makes the West even tougher. So it's like when mm-hmm. you have Anthony Davis, you know what you need to do? Be aggressive, meaning when you're at the rim, don't pass it. Take it, and I get that he's not the greatest free throw uh, shooter, um, you know, towards the end of his career, or really during his career, but mainly towards the end of his career. Um, but right. these are the moments where people are going to judge you the most. You have to take it. You miss it, you miss it, man. You know, it it, it happens. It's basketball, but you have to take those moments. And I keep seeing him shy from it, and I'm like, you're at the rim. Take it. Like, you're LeBron. You know, that's like Michael Jordan passing up, uh, you know, a jump shot. W- what? No. <laughs> Take that jump shot. So I need right. Anthony Davis to become more of a complete player. I need LeBron to become more aggressive. Now, when I say aggressive, Nick, I know everyone's going to say, like, you hear all over the, the sports stations and stuff, you know, game six Eastern Conference, LeBron, no, that's not what he needs to do. I just need him to be more aggressive when it matters. Like, don't give me a great offensive first half, and then in the second half, you're now telling me it's the right play to be passive? No, 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 no. No, you set the table, then you eat, meaning you get everyone hot in the first, and if they can't carry you across the finish line, that's when you step up, realize you're LeBron, and you carry it home. I kind of feel like he does all that in reverse, and it's like, I don't get that logic. Um, I'm not one that blames him for, for trying to do the best basketball play, but at some point you have to realize you are kind of better than everybody else. You have to show right. that. Um, and I don't feel like him nor Anthony Davis this season are showing that. And that's a problem. The fact that neither one of them are in the MVP conversation is a problem. Um, you know, like it, it, you guys, you guys have to figure it out because this Clippers team, excuse me, the one thing you did not want Patrick Beverly, Harrell, uh, Kawhi, and these guys gaining confidence because what Pat yeah. Beverly thinks right now is that if we play you in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals, I know we're gonna smoke I you. Guard you. 
I can get yeah. in your head. Montrez Harrell's like, I know I can be the AD stopper. And you don't want that. You know, you do not want that because these guys are dogs. So you don't want these dogs feeling like, oh, no, no, no. Forget the fact that Anthony Davis is like a freaking scoring giant. I can make him seem like he's small. Like, forget the fact that I'm small little Patrick Beverly. I can irritate LeBron. You do not want that. Because at the end of the day, all it takes is those two guys playing their best and then just Kawhi showing up. And that Clippers team can beat you. Like, almost in five games kind of beat you. So you guys got to figure it out. You have to become aggressive when you need to be if you're LeBron. And if you're Anthony Davis, you should not be this scared. Be a passer if you need to be, you know? Like, be a passer. So it's like you get the ball in the post, you start to back down, you see that you have nothing, pass it out. If you need it right back, get it right back. But you don't have to take that tough shot that you brought up um, before because it's just like it's a head right. scratcher, you know? Like, yeah, with, it's, with Mello, it's iso ball. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's iso ball. It's, 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 it's not what you want unless you're, you know, James Harden. And even at times with AD, it, it can be what you want. Um, it just, I mean, it depends on the matchup. Like, I mean, I saw him do it um, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight times against the Hawks. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, you can get away with that against the Hawks. They don't have anybody who right. can guard you. Like, nobody. Uh, but the Clippers have guys that they can throw at you who can make life a little more difficult, um, it's not something that you should try to do. You should try to get easier shots. You should try to um, maybe pump fake it and drive to the rim and then find an open guy or get a foul call or, you know, what have you. Um, Taking, like, you know, a a rise-up 17-footer against a a guy in, like, let's say Paul George, who's 6'9", has a lot of up, who can really contest you, um, maybe not the best shot. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think I think it speaks to the fact that the Lakers probably um, need to make a move just as far as – I know they're so limited. They do not have a first-round pick that they can trade at, at, at you know, currently. Um they would have to restructure the you know deals that that they have with the uh, Pelicans in order to do so, and that would probably cost them an asset to do so. And I, I applaud David Griffin on essentially constructing the AD trade in the way that he did to kind of you know um, for two reasons: one, um, because it uh, prohibits the Lakers from making any sort of deals, it, 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 it kind of confines them. Uh, it puts them in a box. Uh, so, you know, if, if they aren't as successful as they thought they would be, they can't make any moves. And then the, the Pelicans are just sitting back like, Hey, good for us. Um, but because they are successful now, um, it also puts the Pelicans in a position to be like, all right, yeah, I mean, maybe we, maybe we'd be okay to open up, um, uh, you know, some some uh, we'll make some trade, some different trade negotiations. Uh, for instance, um, the the Pelicans currently 
hold two first-round picks from the Lakers, um, but because of the weird protections, the Lakers can't you know, trade a future first-round pick at this juncture. Um, but what the Pelicans could do is say, hey, we'll renegotiate all of these trade things if you give us an extra first round pick, if you need to trade your, you know, upcoming first round pick. So sure, we'll take uh twenty twenty two, twenty twenty four, and twenty twenty six unprotected, uh, give us an extra pick swap and we will give you back the ability to trade your twenty twenty first round pick. Um David Griffin is just fucking killing it over there. I, I get that the Pelicans are playing terribly uh and and that is uh there's a lot of reasons that go into that um but uh they put themselves in a very actionable position uh and that's very smart on his part um but that may be something they have to do in order to free up a pick to trade um but nevertheless they need to make a move they need to get some other i i heard somebody throw out I want to say, fuck, I can't remember who it was, um, but I heard somebody throw out uh, the notion that they could trade maybe Kyle Kuzma for Derek White from um, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, and I was like, ah, oh, if you could, like, if you can make that work, because the Spurs have Dejounte Murray, they have Lonnie Walker, um, they, uh, you know, just picked up um, Luka Shamanich. Um, who you know would would conceivably be your four of the future, um, and and he kind of fits that Kyle Kuzma role. So maybe they're not as interested in getting that kind of player. Um, but if you could figure out a way to make a um, trade work where you get a guy like Derek White who could kind of be in your closing lineup, um, where essentially you have uh, Derek White. Danny Green, uh, LeBron, um, uh, AD, and, you know, pick whoever your next guy is. But, like, Derek White, because he is six foot six and, like, really he's got a, a great uh, wingspan, can guard, he can, uh, he, he can play make, he can, um, he can shoot threes. Like, that's the kind of guy that you want. And, you know, because – you know his and Kuzma's salaries are so similar. Um, that would be like the ideal fit. I don't think for one second that the Spurs are going to make that trade straight up. So you're going to have to make it a little more enticing for them. So maybe you do renegotiate your your Pelicans. Um, you know your 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 picks for the Pelicans uh, to make it a little more favorable to them. So that you can get the necessary pick um, to make a deal like that. I don't know, um, but like Avery Bradley certainly doesn't seem like uh, your guy um, at, at this point of the season. Um, and I, I struggle to think of you know another way for you if you're Palinka to make a trade, given that you know. Um, both JaVale McGee and Contavious Caldwell-Pope essentially have no trade clauses because of the early bird rights uh, thing, which, again, I think is stupid. They need to do away with that. 
Um, but like essentially both those players can say, no, we're not, we don't, we do not agree to be traded. Um, so that's a big bulk of your salary that you could potentially couple together to make a trade that you can't, you, like you, you have to get the player's permission. So you're just so limited. You're so boxed in as the Lakers. And I think uh, there's a couple things. One, Palenka is, is obviously learning as he goes. Um, I think he's done a relatively good job of putting this team together. I think it's worked out way better than I thought it would. Um, but at the same time, he has put himself in this box via the, the Pelicans trade and those two signings to where he's so limited as to the trades he can make. Um it, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough for them to make anything more than a marginal trade, uh, you know, to really improve this team. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see what uh, he can he can kind of pull out of his sleeve um, and how creative he can be in order to do so. I don't have the utmost faith in that, but I do think. I do have faith in the fact that Palenka doesn't really care about the future as much as the now, and he is absolutely willing to, like, future be damned. We want to win this year, and, like, that may be the ultimate um, downfall of the Lakers via the moves they've already made, but it also could be the ultimate savior of the Lakers via his willingness to say fuck it and just go get what he needs um, throughout, you know, uh, up until the trade deadline. So it's going to be fascinating. It really is. Um, Your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the best case, uh, the, the best case scenario, if you're the Lakers, like the best case you want to be in is where the Raptors are. So where the Raptors yeah. very well, very well can be a top five seed in the East for the next five to ten years. Um, you know they gave themselves room to kind of make rooms, but I mean make moves. But you look at like Siakam, and it's like yeah, Siakam could be like my face going forward. So if you're the Lakers, you're kind of hoping that when LeBron's like all retired, you still have Anthony Davis out of this in a roster at least, at least good enough to keep you competitive in the um, in the West within the top eight spots. Um, if not, it's like if you didn't win a title, they're going to look back at, like, this being one of the worst times to be a Lakers fan because all you're going to be doing is having AD on Pelicans 2.0 in, in Los Angeles while – next door, or not even next door, in the same arena, Kawhi and Paul George are just destroying things. Um, and if you're if you're anyone in Lakers brass, that is your worst nightmare. Um, is yeah. that, you know, AD, you know, AD is still there, but LeBron's retired, and the Lakers are just awful, and the Clippers are thriving. Um, so... I get I get your point, and he's probably thinking about right now, you know, to keep his job and everything. But if you're the Lakers brass, you kind of have to keep an eye on it um, and hope that, excuse me, 
you at least get AD to stay, and AD and Kuzma can be what leads you into the future. Um, because if you can't at least do what the Raptors just did when they lost um, Kawhi, oof, it is not going to be good. It is not going to be good. Yeah. Slightly a hot take. I think LeBron should have gone to the Knicks. I mean, I think the bar would be set so much lower um, as far as the bar is with the Lakers. Um, and I think that if you had had LeBron go to the Knicks and basically be like, yo, Dolan, bring in my guy, David Griffin, and let him, like, I will sign here if you clean house and let David Griffin do his thing. Um and if you had if, if those two things had happened, I think you could have had a very successful um, Knicks tenure with LeBron, and I think you would have gotten some big free agent to sign there this off season. I don't think it would have been Kawhi. I don't. I think it would have been uh, KD or Kyrie. Um, but yeah, I mean Butler, um, maybe um, maybe Kemba, something like that. Um, and you would have been able to flip like your your assets to to, to gain other quality pieces. Um, I think that would have been. It's a very interesting uh, alternate history that I think would be um, fascinating. But um, I, obviously, we'll never get I a chance think, to see it. Um, I do think Nick, we should do a like thinking about into next year. Um, with Marvel releasing their What If series, I think we should definitely yeah. do one for NBA. It deserves mm. one. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I was thinking today, what if the um, what if the Thunder had decided, no, we're not trading Paul George, but we will trade Russell Westbrook for CP3. And you had Chris Paul, Terrence Ferguson, Paul George, um, uh, Jeremy Grant, and uh, Stephen Adams. Um, that'd be a really interesting team. I don't think they'd be, you know, one of the front runners, but I would consider them a contender. I mean, if you have CP, CP3 and Paul George on the same team, like, I mean, that's a legit fucking team. Um, like, I, yeah, there, there's a lot of good what ifs to get into. Um, but yeah, we should totally do that. That would be a lot of fun. All right, but we got to move on. Um, Philadelphia, uh, they were able to shut down Giannis and the Bucks on Christmas Day. Um, and I think this is very telling because I think the Sixers were primarily constructed um, for two reasons. One, in order to essentially get Al Horford off of the Celtics um, because he was such a detriment to Joel Embiid. Um, So if you can get him off the Celtics, and even if it means you have to overpay him um, and and you're going to regret it in years three and four, he's going to help you in the meantime. And the fact that he's not on the Celtics anymore is is very beneficial. Although I don't, I don't think Philadelphia read the tarot cards and knew that they would, the Boston would be able to land Kimba. Um, I think 
perhaps they thought that you know they'd re-sign Rogier and you know try to make a fringe signing or something like that. Um, so Boston definitely did the best with the hand that they were dealt in that regard. Um, but that was that was one of the reasons. The other reason was because it would mean essentially they would be able to dominate the Bucks. They would be able to shut down Giannis by having Joel Embiid and Al Horford guarding Giannis at any given time during the game. Um, and that seems to have played out in this Christmas Day game. Um, granted, the Sixers were super hot from three. They just they were nailing threes left and right. Um, and, and ironically, against one of the best um, perimeter defensive teams in the league. Um, so perhaps this is an outlier of a game. Um, but nevertheless, they were still able to dominate them uh, and shut down Giannis. And I think over a seven-game series, if you match up the Bucks and the Sixers, I still feel very confident that the Sixers are going to be able to win that series. Um, I also picked the Sixers to come out of the East as I picked the Clippers to come out of the West. And my thought there has not changed. I don't see a team in the East that can really challenge the Sixers in a seven-game series despite all of their flaws, despite – I still think they need to make a move. I still, I really, really want them to go get Derrick Rose. Um, I think Derrick Rose would be the perfect piece as this six-man creator off the bench who can, you know, essentially get his own shot, um, can kind of be their Lou Williams, if you will, of the – of the um, uh, the Clippers last year, um, but just with a better team around him. <laughs> and I, I really like that notion. But regardless of that, I think this Sixers team is very well equipped to compete with any of the top teams in the East. I think Boston will have a lot of struggles trying to um, as they as Boston is currently constructed, trying to battle uh, Embiid in the paint, they just don't have anybody who can stop him. Um, the the same thing is true for the Bucks, and um, as I stated earlier, the the Sixers just have a team that can make life really hard for Giannis. And, you know, if you look at the other teams that may have some potential, Miami's probably the one that scares me the most because I really, really love Bam Adebayo. Um, but I still would favor Philly in that series um, mainly because uh, I, as good as Bam is, I don't think he's strong enough to really stop Embiid, and I think you you just have too many defensive options on the Sixers who, who like, you put Ben Simmons on um, Jimmy Butler, uh, that's going to be 
a fucking ferocious matchup that is going to be so much fun to watch. Um, and then, you know, who exactly are you putting out there if you're the Heat that are going to stop them? I think this game really showed me that the despite the weird roster construction um, that Elton Brand has embraced for the Sixers, I think for my money, they're the team to bet on coming out of the East, um, g- given all of the other teams that stand in their way. Um, what do you think about this game um, in particular? But also, um, who do you think is is the 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 team that you would bet on to come out of the East? Well, this game is the reason why I told you I I, I just I will never be that impressed with Giannis because I feel as though he's limited, um, and I don't know if that's because he doesn't have anyone to help. Um, flesh out his game more, but this game disappointed me because if you're Giannis, you have to stay coach. I get it. I'm struggling a little bit with foul trouble, but give me Embiid. Give me Embiid. Let me show people why I could be MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same year. Um, And I kind of just feel like it was too much for him. And if it's too much for you now, it's not going to get easier come the playoffs. Because, again, you're giving Embiid all of this confidence in knowing I can bother Giannis. I can bother Giannis. I can make him look small. And there's no one worse to give that confidence to than Joel Embiid. Um, right. I just kind of <laughs> feel like this Bucks team – first of all, I just want to shout this out. This Bucks team is aging <laughs> uh, Coach Bud worse than being president aged Brock. Like, he looks horrible. Shout <laughs> 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 out to Coach Bud, man. Uh, get your back. But, um, well, you know, you know this... he is, he is a, a, a recovering alcoholic, and I don't, I don't think being in Milwaukee is, you know, uh, maybe the best place to be if you're a recovering alcoholic. But <laughs> I digress. I probably shouldn't have even <laughs> said that. That's a... It's a mean thing to say, but I I, I don't think it's without merit. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, but, no, I, Giannis, it, it, it's one of those things to where I, we've said this before, so this, this is nothing new or not a hot take or anything, but he's very one-dimensional. I mean, I think the last time I, I was on the show, you were bringing up to me how he's improved his shooting, and I'm like, yeah, but his go-to is to drive it. And if I know right. that, right, and if he can't do that, right, right, I'm going to. If you find can shut that down, he's kind of fucked. And I think what was he? Oh, for seven from three in this game. I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't have the stats in front of me. It was off the top of my head, but like he, he was. They, there was literally a play where Embiid just like shifted off of him, and I think there was like ten feet between Giannis at the three-point line and the next closest defender, and Giannis shot it and just bricked it. Like, it, they were just like, yeah, fine, shoot it, dude. We don't fucking care. Like, that's a problem. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I agree, but that's why I was telling you I don't see, like, efficiency, I hear you, but numbers in sports are the 
biggest liars. And I felt as though... Hey, numbers never lie, man. (laughs) Numbers definitely lie. Um, I didn't see see the drastic change between last year and this year, to be honest. That's why I'm like, if you make him MVP, I don't get how you made Harden wait as long as he did. Because (laughs) Harden did the same thing. He just scored better. Uh, You know, so it's like, uh, all right. Um, so I'm like, you look at Giannis this year, he's just scoring better um, if you want to go by efficiency. So I'm like, I, I don't see the drastic difference in last year and this year. So I'm like, this game was important to me, Nick, because I'm like, if Giannis doesn't step up at some point in this game and go, give me Embiid, I'm going to be really disappointed. And I told you, I told you, was it last year, um, that I knew the series was over versus the Raptors. Um, in that one game, I, I knew it was over. It was the turning point. It was the turning point, and it was the fact yeah, it was, that I did it was, not. It was game four. You were like, they they tied it up, and you were like, yeah, this this shit's done. The Raptors are gonna beat them, and they did. Yeah, and you know how hard that was for me to say that, but I'm like, the fact that Kawhi looks like he's he's really getting to Giannis, and Giannis looks like if he can't drive it, he doesn't know what to do. That's a problem. Like that, that's a really big problem. Like Giannis plays like he's Shaq, but he's not. He can shoot. He just doesn't do it. And and like when when things start to crumble, he goes to what he knows, which is to drive it. And like what I want the Bucks to realize is Giannis works very much like a football team. So like Nick, if if you, if your Falcons only throw the ball, right? What am I gonna do? I'm going to put my best corner on your best receiver. I'm going to I'm going to somewhat box you guys. And I'm going to say, "You know what, Matt Ryan? You're not you're not beating us by the air today. You're going to have to run the ball. If you don't have a good run game, I'm beating you every single time." You know, because that's what I'm catering my defense to. So it's like if I know Giannis isn't going to shoot at a high clip, I'm going to box you in with Horford and Embiid and force you to pass or shoot. And if I can do that 85% of that game, I am winning a series every single time. So I'm with you on, on taking the Sixers over the Bucks. I'm, I'm 100% with you. I still will forever hold hope for um, the Celtics because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who is very much playing for a contract this year, that kid is falling. Um, I, Wait, I, who? I feel like Jalen Brown, Tatum. Oh, Brown. Brown already signed his deal. Oh, but did I miss that? What? What? Where have I been? He signed. What was yeah, the deal? That, um, it was four years, one hundred and fifteen million dollars. I think. Oh my goodness! If you're the Celtics, yeah, they. It's, really. It was funny. No, it was funny because a lot of people were like, "Oh wow, you way overpaid it," and I was like, "I don't." I don't think you did, and like now it's like, wow, Celtics, you got a great deal. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's, it's really remember, funny how those tides turn really quickly. Because I remember I was I was saying to Luke, I was saying if you're the Celtics, it's a win-win. Like you let him play out the year. If he does great, you obviously have to sign him back. And if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't rise to the occasion, you let him go. And if he thrives somewhere else, yeah. all right, cool. Wasn't thriving here. No, I mean, um, no, you, 
they but, got him on a on a really good deal. Um, it, it like not even close to a max deal. Um, maybe I think a little bit more. Like maybe about I want to say twenty fifteen to twenty million dollars more than what the Kings got. Um, uh, Buddy Heald on. Um, and and dude, I think Jalen Brown is a if he doesn't make the all-star team this year, it's a fucking travesty because he's been fucking brilliant. He's been so good. Yeah. Um, he's been better than Jason Tatum this year. Not to say that yeah. I think he's better than Jason Tatum long-term, but this year he has been better. Um, and See? he is absolutely in the, in the, um, in the uh, conversation for all defensive team um, this year um, as a guard. Uh, he's been great. He's been fucking fantastic. That's the one advantage I give Jalen Brown over Tatum in the long haul is the fact that he is able to defend really well. Um, On a high level. If he yeah. could, right. If he could bottle that along with scoring as efficiently as he has been, um, yeah. I kind of feel like you want that long-term over Jason Tatum just becoming Boston's Kobe. Like, you want the guy that can defend and get you 30. Um, so, I'm like, yeah. if, he can, if he can maintain that, kind of feel like we might be looking at Jalen Brown four years from now. Like, yeah, good thing they're together, but he might be the clay of, of him and Steph, you know, of their version of or him and Steph. I, like, you know what I think is a better apt description? He reminds me of Scottie Pippen. Like, yeah. just, he can defend – He's so fucking good. He can shoot. He can drive. He can pass. Like he just does everything, and that's like to me like that. Um, and essentially, like his build, he's like the same basic size um, as Scottie Pippen. I think Pippen may have a had a little bit more of like um, wingspan on him, but um, yeah, like he's that guy. Like he's of that caliber yeah. to me right now and like that's why I was just so hoping that Boston would not be able to to you know extend him this off season cuz I was like if you're the Hawks and you're sitting on what like two max salary slots like I don't give a fuck if you if you have to overpay like just like right now if, if I was the Hawks and like uh, you know, both he and DeMontis Sabonis had not been extended. I'd be like, Max, Max, like, just, like, make a match. You know, like, I don't fucking care. Like, make make both those teams match. Um, it really sucks that for the Hawks, like, that um, all of these, most of these free agents got, um, you know, a, a deal, an extension done. Um yeah, you know, and it kind of sucks for those players too because they would have gotten so much more money if they had waited. But um, you know, it's it's it, you know a, a bird in hand is better than two in the bush. So I get it, but um, but yeah, nevertheless, uh, I I think the East is going to be really really intriguing. The matchups are going to be really intriguing, and if the the as the East is currently situated, um, and I think it could play out this way, honestly, um, 
the Bucks are are should by all means, barring some kind of Giannis injury, uh, get first place. I think second, third, and fourth are like all a toss-up, but like right now, Boston and Miami have second and third. Philly's in fourth. The Bucks could be looking at a second-round exit if they have to face Philly in the second round, um, and that will play a huge um, uh, um a, a, a huge uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, it it'll have a lot of relevance as to what Giannis's decision is as to whether or not to extend with uh, the Bucks or to take a look at free agency in 2021. Uh, like if they get ousted in the second round. If I'm Giannis, there's no way I'm signing a fucking extension. Like, I'm going to be looking at my options and say, I don't I don't know. Maybe this isn't the place where I can win a championship. Um, so, I, especially if you get outed in the second round, and that could totally happen, especially if they have to play the Sixers. So, I think the East is going to be so – there's so much intrigue, and there was so much intrigue last year. Uh, with the East, with uh, you know, obviously Kawhi, uh, Jimmy Butler, um, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, I think all of that intrigue is going to be um, there this season, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch to see what happens with all of these top four Eastern teams, uh, and to see essentially uh, the biggest domino of which is Giannis and, and what he decides to do. I think Giannis, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think whoever is behind Giannis as far as his management, I think what they have to look at is this. Um, one, can Giannis lure someone to Milwaukee? My answer nope. is 10 times out of 10 will be no, right? Then you go, <laughs> yeah. Is there any way they could make moves to make this roster a um, a NBA championship roster? And then you go, no. I mean, because if yeah. you think about it like this, I think they could. I think I think there's a way they could. You'd have to get really creative. I I would throw this out there. Um, do you think you could trade for Chris Paul? Um, I I think yes, there's a way in which you could, and but do you think that deal would revolve around you giving up Middleton, and how would you replace Middleton while moving Bledsoe in order to do so? So my thought would be this: Is there a way that you could flip Middleton and Bledsoe? for Chris Paul and Robert Covington. Like, if you can do that, you're going to have to give up some kind of assets in order to do it. But if you could potentially do that, that would be – that would make your team better. Chris Paul is better than Bledsoe. Um, Middleton is better than Covington, but not – not – like extremely he can kind of get his own shot a little bit but like if you have Chris Paul you don't really need that um the, that's 
that that's the kind of home run move that you need to make. And I just I don't think I I just don't think they have the balls to fucking do it. I don't think they have um I I maybe, but I, that that would be like such a crazy home run style trade that I just don't think they would they would go through with it. My the biggest thing I would tell Giannis if, if I'm his management is do you want to be a champion or do you want to be um, one of the greatest fucks ever? Um, right. No doubt he'll be a Hall of Famer. So that's not even like there's no need to even put that in question. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Right? So you go, yep. do you want to be one of the greatest fucks ever or do you want to be an NBA champion? And I'm not saying leaving guarantees him being an NBA champion. That's not what I'm saying. But what I do want to make note of is you cannot be simple-minded in thinking, my loyalty is here, I'm comfortable here, this is where I want to remain. Because if you do that, there's a very good chance the East gets better and your team stays the same. Because I don't even think, Nick, they necessarily need um, you know, a trade. I just think if Giannis was a better overall scorer, he could just dominate the game. Like you wouldn't really be able to do anything because he's just dominating you um, from one end to the other. I I just think his game has to grow, and if it doesn't, it doesn't matter where he goes. People have the blueprint on him. Um, so I'm like, anywhere you go, people know you don't shoot, <laughs> you know, and if you do, it's not at a high enough clip for me to think. You're going to take this game over by shooting. Um, so it's like, I just stop you from being dominant in the paint, and I have my win. So I'm like, you've you got to kind of think about a lot of things. But I honestly don't think a championship will come out of Milwaukee. Um, if he stays, even if they make the moves, you know, you're talking about, because the biggest thing we always have to think about is, all right, cool. Um, the NBA is nothing but chess, right? So you go, all right, cool. Milwaukee makes that trade. They get Covington and Chris Paul. Do we really think Boston won't make a move? Do we really think the, the, the Sixers won't make a move? Miami won't make a move? So it's like you won't be the only team that gets better um, if you make that move. Uh, maybe in that season, um, but there's no way those other teams won't see that coming and, and want to do the same thing. Um, so it's like it just it still won't change how one-dimensional he is. Um, so, I mean, I'm interested, but this, this Christmas game meant a lot, like a lot. It let the East know mm-hmm. that it, regardless of the record, it runs through Philly, um, and it also let the Bucks know, like, hey, we don't care that you're the number one seed. And B, they have no problem traveling, none, none. This isn't football. Right. They don't care. Like, they're going to beat you in Milwaukee. Yep. They'll beat you in Philly, wherever you want to play. They're going to beat you <laughs> because Embiid is better. Um, Simmons is a amazing defender. So then you go, all right, yeah. what happens if Chris Middleton wants to get hot? I just throw Ben Simmons on him. <laughs> yeah. like, it's that simple. Exactly. I just throw Ben Simmons on him. He snuffs him yep. out, and then Giannis is going to have to go win that game. And he's not going to be able to do it. So it's like if right. you're Philly, you're like, this game meant everything. Because it let you know and the rest of the East know, regardless of who's number one seed, it runs through us. And I think that was great for them. Yeah. No, I totally agree. 
And I think uh, that is the biggest takeaway if you are, you know, projecting who's going to come out of the East. And if, uh, you know, like me, you're really rooting for Philly uh, to, to pull this one out. Um, so, yeah, uh, I totally agree. All right, let's get into our main topics here. Uh, we're going to be breaking down uh, essentially a, a decade in review type of situation. So we're going to be talking about um, best team, best player, best coach, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're going to get through as many of these as we can. Um, we're going to start with best team. Who do you think, Juwan, is the best team of the decade? I fought with this, Nick, like a lot. Like I did, a too. Lot, lot. I really did, too. Um, Wait, I had how did you think, read? Go ahead. Let, me, let me ask you this. How did you read this question? Did you read this question as who was the best team for a given year in the decade? Or who was the best team throughout the whole decade? I think that's an important distinction. I went who was the best team throughout the entire decade. Like what what okay. is the one I did team too. Thought, yeah, that I thought had dominance um throughout the decade. Now again, if if you wanna say like if the player was, you know, part of that team for just one year then it doesn't count, I would I would say, Okay, I, I get you it's Still wouldn't be the team that like I'm thinking of, but um, but yeah, no, I I fought with this so much, Nick, because there's so many teams throughout the decade, um, that you kind of go, yeah, that team was was unstoppable. That team was great. Um, but I'm gonna go kind of with the cookie cutter one. I'm gonna go with um, Durant in in, in the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I just you, you think yep. from '09 to 2019. There's no better team. <laughs> There's just no better right. team. Um, be, because you look at it and you go, all right, well, Durant is like your assassin, right? And it's like, but on any given night, he didn't have to be. Could have been Clay. Could have been Steph. You had a defensive monster in Draymond. You had a defensive monster in Durant and Clay. Um, and it's just, they could shoot the lights out. And it's like, you think about Miami, and it's like Miami couldn't shoot with Golden State. Uh, I don't even think at, at at any level Miami could defend Golden State. Um, the only other team, Nick, that I really fought with, but I wasn't sure if they were in that in this decade, was that um, that Boston team that uh, that beat the Lakers that year, the year they didn't have Bynum. Um, that is the only other team I just legit struggled. Oh, I wouldn't with. even. Nah. I th- I thought that team was dominant. I mean, I remember it because I'm like. The Knicks will never be <laughs> like, oh my God, they yeah. three-headed monster. There's some bias um, coming from your end, some Knicks bias, it, it, like a, being like, oh my God, they, we can't beat them. <laughs> no, 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 I, I agree, I agree, and that's ultimately why I was like, I, 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 I can't pick them, <laughs> like, I, I, I can't. But, um, but no, I, I, like I said, I, I'd have to go with this Golden State team with with Durant, um, because every every box you would have, I would safely say I think they checked them all. Yeah, I would agree. I would say just the Warriors in general, um, the fact that they sprung up out of nowhere um, and were able to knock off LeBron. Granted, he didn't have Kyrie. He didn't have um, 
Kevin Love. Um, but, you know, circumstances are what they are, and they still were able to beat them. Um, and uh, they were able to, you know, essentially win three championships in, in, this, uh, in this era. Um, they were able to win that one, and then, you know, obviously they lost the following year to the, to the Cavs. And then they were able to win back-to-back um, championships with Kevin Durant. Um, that they obviously own that record for the most championships of the decade. Um, I, I, I think the way that this team came up and the way that they were able to constantly be able to make themselves better and to get Kevin Durant, like, that was fucking huge. Um, and obviously uh, meant a hell of a lot to um, their championship runs that, that with for their second and third championship. Um, I, I think that is something that you just can't go against. I, I agree with you. I, I think it has to be the Warriors. If there was one other team that I would pick, it would be the Miami Heat. Um, because of obviously them getting LeBron, they won two championships with him. And even when LeBron left, they've been kind of middling along in mediocrity, but they've had to fight so many fucking, um, like pitfalls, whether it be obviously LeBron leaving, um, uh, 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 fucking uh, um, shit. What's his name? Uh, damn it. Uh, Bosch. Chris Bosch. Uh, you know, having the the uh, artery issue um, that obviously kind of stunted their ability to be able to be competitive, um, and they were still able to produce a lot of competitive teams, um, regardless of that fact. Um, Dwayne Wade, uh, obviously being uh, very injury prone and then, you know, signing the big deal with Chicago, uh, you know, that kind of, all of those things hurt them. And they just, they just still never gave up, never decided to tank and just kept on keeping along. And now they find themselves in a position where they made a deal for Jimmy Butler they have drafted well. Um, Bam Adebayo looks like one of the, I would say at least one of the top five draft picks of that draft class, if not higher. Um, he looks fucking fantastic. Might be an all-star this season. Definitely in in the conversation for most improved player. Um, and you know, acquiring Jimmy Butler. Uh, drafting uh, Tyler Hero and, you know, forging a team around those guys and, you know, the other players that they have, um, they've just maintained relevancy uh, and are now really good again. Uh, I think they deserve a, a really strong nod because of the way they started off the uh, the decade and the way they are finishing the decade um i think they are the most consistent team throughout the decade 
They've missed the playoffs a few years, but they've never been terrible. The Warriors were terrible at the beginning of the decade, and I think, and they're terrible now at the end of the decade. So I think that does count against them. Um, but I think I think we judge. I think you have to judge um, who is the team of the decade with um, not just who like has the most wins and losses or anything of that nature, but who, what team really defined the decade. And I think that's the Warriors. I really do. I think that's the team that everybody was like, we have to figure out how to beat these guys. Um, And there's just no other team that really, really had that other than the Heat. But even the Heat, you know, uh, the the Mavericks proved their vulnerability at the beginning of their uh, um, LeBron run, and the Spurs proved their vulnerability at the end of the run. Um, I think the only thing that proved the um, the the Warriors' vulnerability was obviously LeBron's just will to win, um, but also Draymond. Uh, his suspension uh, in 2016, um, also the the you know uh, injury to Bogut in that in that uh, series um, that that obviously really hurt them. Um, and uh, you know I mean, I mean I think there's just some various other aspects that that play into it, um, but ultimately I have to go with the Warriors just because. That to me, that's that's the team of the decade. I'd say with with your your breakdown, um, I would have to say I would take the Spurs over the Heat. Then, um, with wow. everything you just to defend the Heat, I would say you could say that plus some for the Spurs. Um, I well, mean, one championship you, versus two, so I think that's an, an important. Uh, thing to to give the the heat, but nevertheless, go ahead. I um I I get that. I, I look at the Spurs and I go relevancy check. Um, uh, yep. Competitiveness check. Um, in the playoffs Absolutely. check. Um, mm-hmm. you also look at the fact that if not for that Kawhi injury, are they in the finals? Possibly. Didn't right. go if Kawhi didn't leave, would they be extremely competitive now? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at those things and you go, they've had to work through a lot, and Popovich still has a um, a over five hundred team um, throughout the decade. Um, and I think you losing Tony, you losing Tim, then you losing Ginobili, and then losing Kawhi. The fact that this team has still made the playoffs is something that speaks volumes um, because you go down the list, you go, all right, if you're Miami, you know, you lost Chris Bosh to injury, cool Hall of Famer. You lost LeBron, one of the greatest to ever play. You lost uh, Wade to retirement. And then you go, the Spurs lost five, no, four, yeah, four, not only Hall of Famers, but all <laughs> Um Yeah. You know, and it's like you lost guys that were literally the bloodline of the Spurs. Um, and Pop still found a way. So it's like I kind of think if I were, or 
were to go, it would be Spurs because it's like how like it, it's 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 very rare you're able to do that. Like I don't think Nick, me and you could think of another team that would lose four guys like that and are still competitive. Um, you know, it, it's just it's unheard of. Like it, you're not supposed yeah. to be able to do that the way that the NBA is set up. Um, so I mean, even if you don't want to take them over the Heat. I think you could at least make a case that it's right there. I'd even give you, if you right. want to give the the edge to Miami, sure, we don't even have to debate that. But it's like Spurs need to be up there at like 2B if, if you have Miami at your 2A. Sure. Um, right. So I guess crazy. we would say our top three our top three are definitely the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Heat. And you can debate the right. order of the second two. Right, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I can live with that for sure. Yeah. No, I I am in total complete agreement with you there. Um for all of the reasons that you stated. Um all right, let's move on. Best play. This is really interesting to me. I want to know what your thoughts are before I delve into mine. What do you think is the best play of the decade? And this is so fucking crazy because we like you are trying to take a decade worth of basketball plays and judge the the relevance of the play, the um like what it means for the season, what it means for a team, uh, but also just being in and of itself just an excellent play uh in basketball. What do you got? All right, I fought with this one, Nick, because I I want me too, and I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say what it was, in, in, just in case it, it it was one of the ones you had on your mind. But the okay. one I wanted to go with had higher meaning to um to the volume of that play than the one that I'm actually going to go with. Um, sure. But I'm I'm gonna go with the play that made me. <laughs> Like, I remember I was home watching with my brother and his friends, and I stood up and I just went, this might be one of the, the, the craziest, best plays I've ever seen in my life. And that was Steph Curry in overtime versus the Oklahoma City Thunder draining Ooh. a shot with what seems like the other, like the locker room. And it was unnecessary yeah. because he had the time to get a better shot off and just said, I'm, Didn't need it. I'm fuego. I'm pulling it. And he made it, and I'm like, you know, this is insane. Like, no one makes these shots. And he yeah. nailed it. And I, I remember saying to myself, if they met in the playoffs, I don't think OKC wants any of that smoke. And ultimately, <laughs> it looked like they did up 3-1, <laughs> and then they didn't <laughs> because they couldn't yeah. pull it out. Uh, so, I mean, it, that to me was one of the greatest plays ever. Uh, to, to me, I, I'm saying I thought that was one of the greatest plays ever that I had witnessed in, in this decade specifically, but more so just ever, um, but definitely in this decade. Yeah, no, that is fucking great. Um, I think we should, if we have time, should have an aside for the best single game performance of the decade because that, to me, is definitely Clay Thompson, game six against OKC, like, that was so fucking phenomenal. Like, it's just fucking crazy. Um, I'd say, but I'd say what, I'd what's up? Love, we definitely, 
time. I would love to go his game six versus LeBron's game six versus the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I would love Ooh. to go. Okay. Yes. Yes. That is a that is a debate. Uh, we should definitely have, if not on this show, in the near future, because that is, you are absolutely right about that. Um, but uh, but for my my play of the decade, um, and I'm I'm pretty sure you probably have this. I kind of cheated. I'm gonna say the block, but also the shot and the contest, like the big three of um, Cleveland. Like essentially doing the impossible, coming back from three one, the block from LeBron on Iggy, the shot from Kyrie and taking the lead, and then the contest by um Kevin Love, who was just kind of universally considered like this guy can't fucking do shit, he can't defend blah 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 blah, and you know I mean you you could parse it any sort of way you want. But he was the guy who was on staff in the closing minutes of that game, and he was the one who, like, put the hand in the face, and Steph didn't make the shot. Um, I think you could pick any one of those. Personally, I would pick the shot. Um, I think the block was great. The contest was great. But Kyrie's shot was just stone-cold fucking I'm making this fucking shot right in your goddamn face and there's nothing you can do about it and that to me as much maligned as Kyrie has been over the past couple of seasons when he was with Boston and now that he's uh you know in in Brooklyn and they didn't get off to a great start with him and they've been playing much better without him with Dinwiddie running the point it, there's just all this chatter about, you know, whether he's as good as everyone thinks he is or whatever. That motherfucker just was like, I got this. And he fucking drilled that shot and just was like, there is no way I'm missing the shot. And he made the shot that gave them the lead, and that is what ended up winning them the game. I think the block had a lot to do with it, the contest had a lot to do with it, but the ultimate reason they won the game was because they scored more points than the other team, and that was Kyrie. That was Kyrie being like, I'm going to ISO. You're not – there's no way I'm missing this shot. And dude had ice in his veins, and to me, that's that's the play of the decade. That's what won the Cavs the fucking – finals that finally brought a championship to Cleveland after what 56 years or some shit like that that was it yeah and to me like that's why I will always kind of give Kyrie um I, I I'll just always have a little special um uh appreciation for Kyrie despite Whatever happens um, going forward and what has happened in, in recent years, like, dude is fucking clutch. And I think people forget that. I, th- I really do. I think people forget that. They they want to harp on him for his time in Boston, and they, 
they've already tried to harp on him for his time in Brooklyn and it hasn't really come to fruition yet because his team's not even together yet. Um, but dude is fucking clutch. And he proved it there and just fucking straight up smoked him and hit that shot and won them the series. And that, to me, that's the play of the decade. Just, you ain't going to stop me. I'm I'm going with it. And and the beauty of that, too, is that LeBron knew it. LeBron was like, he's got this. He's ready. He's got it. And just let him go. And the 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 biggest pro the biggest shame of all of that is the way the NBA has shaken out. If Kyrie and LeBron had just stayed together on the Scavs team, they'd be they they'd be the favorite right now. If you had LeBron and 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 fucking uh, Kyrie on, on as, as your top duo right now, they'd be the favorite. Like. All of this, like, conjunction and, and movement and everything that, that, that the Warriors created, um, like, that really kind of – the KD created, I guess, more so than even the Warriors. Um, if if they had just stayed pat and both stayed there, they this team would still be a fucking wrecking ball through the East. That nobody would stand a yeah. chance against them in the East. And like it's 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 refreshing. It's you know I mean I don't hate it. I I like the fact that there's a lot of teams in the East that have a chance. But like if if they still had this team together with Kyrie, LeBron, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, um, I don't know, pick whatever person they would have traded for or signed to be their starting shooting guard, um, that team would still be the favorite. They just would, um, and it, it's kind of a shame that you know we we don't get to see that play out. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's my pick. I'll even say what was most impressive about the play was the difficulty of the shot. That's not mm-hmm. a shot you want shot taking, um, and it wasn't like it was uh, you know like point five seconds left. Like no, he had time. Uh, right, and it just. It was like it was the same thing I said about the Steph play. It just it was like a shot you kind of go, wait, what, why? And then well, like, uh, but like, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, <laughs> like that's that's what it was. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I will say this, Nick, because that was that was the play I was I was um, I was fighting with, and I'm glad I didn't say it. Like I I, I gave you uh, your chance to to say yours, but the only play sure. that I think you could argue is right there with that play, if not maybe a smidgen uh, more. Um, no, 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 no. I, I, I'd, give, I'd give Kyrie that. Uh, I, I'd give Kyrie that. But I'm putting that Ray Allen three there. Because um, that's a series oh, that shouldn't yeah. have won. Um, yeah. That is a series that shouldn't have won. LeBron bricked the three. Chris Bosh. And I'll even say this. What made that, that moment um, even more special was that pop-out coach himself. Remember, he took Duncan out. Um, Duncan wasn't in on that play. On a play where Duncan, 10 times out of 10, would have gotten that rebound, Spurs win the series, and then go on the next year to probably win the series again. Um, but there was no Duncan on the court. So Chris Bosh jumps up, grabs it, looks like he grabs it on his lonesome, 
um, takes it out to Ray Allen, who hits what, what we thought was the clutchest three we had seen. And then in comes Kyrie. <laughs> and Kyrie goes, no, 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 hold my beer. Like, wait, wait a second. I'm about to do something unprecedented for the city of Cleveland. Um, yeah, that right. Ray Allen three was – that was insane. Like, yeah. first, come on. That's a great nominee. Yeah, that absolutely. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a fucking. That is something that has to be nominated because that was an all timer and and just the fact that um, the crowd had started like vacating the building, like they were like, yeah. oh fuck this game, it's over, and like literally started exiting and you know like they had like the the um stadium there had like a policy of no reentry and like when everything kind of shifted the way it did they were like let us back in and they're like sorry we can't that's the rules and it's like it's like oh yeah you shouldn't have fucking left you dumbass <laughs> i mean don't leave until like there is absolutely no hope. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's absolutely uh, a play that that should be mentioned. All right, uh, let's move on. Best player. Um, there's to me, there's just two, maybe three. Um, I think you could you could argue three here um, players that could be mentioned in this category. Um, I'll. Say the three, and you pick your one, and let me know if you have any any like outlier that could be um, mentioned in this category. It's LeBron, KD, and Steph. Those are the three people that I would nominate to be the best player of the decade, um, and uh, most meaningful player of the decade. <laughs> um, I think is is also something that's a slightly different. Um, uh, category, um, but I'm going to factor this in here. Um, to me, it's like just the most impactful player of the decade. Um, who you got out of those three? And it, it, is there anybody else that you would think would even sniff uh, relevance uh, in the category along with those three? Yeah, uh, I actually say two other people um just historically oh. um but uh, I, i'll stick to one um but I, I'm, I'm throwing Kawhi in there <laughs> i mean um fair enough you look at what, you look at what he did in that finals against lebron where um where a lot of people like what he did it seems so simple but no one else was doing that um, against lebron like there's you could make a case bruce bowen um, but no one was really doing that against against LeBron. Like, just no one was. For him to come there and just kind of be like the LeBron snuffer, um, that was just, like, unheard of. And then I thought, like, oh, man, he's going to be, like, a really great defensive player. I would have never thought years later Kawhi is winning Canada its first NBA championship um, from offensive domination. Um, so I'm like, I would throw him in there, and then just historically I'd throw Russ in there. I mean, he did something that's just unheard of and won an MVP for it. Um, so, I mean, that's true. That, that guy, that guy is completely from where he was. Um, I'd even say the year they went to the finals, 
against the Heat. He's drastically changed who he's um, who he is. Um, so I would say those two. But um, as you were saying before, most meaningful, most impactful. That's a good. Drawing that all. I think we got a top five then, uh, right? Yeah, I would say that'd be my top. That's five. That's a solid yeah, top five. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Please go ahead. But if I'm picking one player out of that, I'm going Steph Curry um, because I think he changed the whole out, the whole idea of basketball um, to where it's like – I'll never forget Barkley saying, I went into like a – what do you say, like a high school or college practice, and they're practicing threes from like half court. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Like, play actual basketball. Um, you saw Popovich being frustrated with the way that Steph Curry plays basketball. Um, it just it completely changed it. And then we're now a completely three-point league um, to where even now you, you got your big men wanting to shoot threes. Um, it, I, I just think you can't take away the impact that Curry had. He's also the first ever unanimous MVP. Um, and he got rings. <laughs> so it's not like he's this overhyped guy that just – you know, shot a couple three. He won chips from what he did for for the game of basketball. Um, now, whether you think it's good or bad, what what the league's turned into, that's a whole nother conversation. But he's impacted it in so many different ways. Um, most importantly, how the game is played now, um, and the importance of of the three pointer. Um, so I, I would definitely go Steph Curry. But I mean, if someone said LeBron, I I wouldn't be the one to say you're wrong. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say you're wrong, but for yeah. me, it's definitely best. Here's the thing. I agree with you. I I thought Bomani Jones had a very interesting um, insight as to why the Steph Curry uh, ascendance isn't as valuable as a lot of people think it is. And 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 particularly how Steph changed the game isn't maybe as um um influential as we all think it is. Um and he cited that um it was the Miami Heat who really kind of defined the pace and space era by moving Chris Bosch to the five. Um and and having him be able to shoot threes uh, and how that benefited the Heat. Um, and LeBron was a part of that team, um, which is all fine and good, but it doesn't – that team, that Miami Heat team doing that did not change the league. We didn't see the league change until Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors – kind of completely changed the dynamic of how we think championship teams can be run um, because they basically, like with the Miami Heat, you had your third star being a three-point shooter. You had Chris Bosh like being this guy who could defend the paint but who moved out to shoot threes. Um, and there was a, a very very smart move um, by Eric Spolstra and and by the Heat in general, Um, but it didn't really define the league. Teams didn't gravitate to doing that the way that they did 
after Steph and Clay came along and 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 really kind of like said, Hey, league, you're on notice, you have to guard us out here thirty feet away from the basket. Um and that like that's what really changed the league. Um and so in that I would agree with you. I think Steph has completely altered um the way the game is played. Um seems like every team since like his ascendance has been shooting more three pointers, less mid range, and really buying into analytics. Um and that I think all goes back to Steph Curry. It really does. And so yeah, I I I can't like I would love to disagree with you now just so we could have an argument, but I can't I can't I can't disagree with you. I, I would I, I I I'm with you. I wouldn't fault anybody for picking LeBron. Um just because you know <laughs> I mean, he has been the best, I would say, the best player of the decade. But, like, that's not what we're really talking about here. We're talking about the player of the decade, the player who defined the decade. Um, And I think, to me, that is Steph Curry. I think you're right. Yeah. I I mean, um, and and again, it's take anything away from all the – I mean, again, LeBron brought Ohio a championship. Like, that can't be – you know what I'm saying? Said enough. But no one's looking like that. Him winning that championship didn't drastically change the entire league. Like Steph Curry taking one dribble and shooting a three completely and drastically changed. Clay Thompson having three dribbles in a game and dropping 40 completely changed right. how people yeah. play basketball today. Like that team, but specifically Steph has completely changed it. I mean, what he's doing, Nick, what him and Clay are doing, like I I know people in the 90s probably thought uh, uh, Reggie Miller was doing three wise. No one's going to hit those numbers, right? I think me and you can safely say between this decade and the next decade, no one's touching Steph Curry and Clay Thompson's records uh, for three-pointers. Like we have not seen that individual. No, no, no. I I think think James Harden might beat it this year. Maybe Trey Young. Who might beat it? James Harden. Oh yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting James <laughs> Harden is, is a three machine. Yeah, yeah. That's the point. That's I mean, he might okay. he might be. Best I was thinking Trey Young, year, but yeah, dude. James Harden. Yeah. Just in a very different way. Like it's not it's not in the same way at all. Um, but yeah, uh, it, but you're. I don't. I don't think that diminishes your point at all. Like. It it's just like the, the way that the game has been altered because of those two guys and how they could stretch the floor and everything has shifted since then and we are now in a position like we were in a position ten years ago and even more so like twenty years ago where we were basically like um, we got to draft the next. Hakeem Olajuwon or Patrick Ewing or David Robinson. Like, we got to get that guy um, in, 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 you know, in, in the center position who can dominate the, the game. And, and, like, now we're like, is 
James Wiseman a top five prospect? I mean, is he really though? Like, because like, I mean, what is he really? What what's his real value though? Like, and I don't think that's an unfair question given what today's NBA is. Um, I I I think he is. I think he's definitely a top five prospect. I think he's probably a top four, three, top three or four prospect. Um, but um, I I I think the question is relevant, nevertheless. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, best coach. I'm gonna be, keep it quick here. Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra coached the Miami Heat to two championships. Uh, in in you know the forefront of his career, um, and fought off obviously LeBron James like trying to like get him ousted, and props to Pat Riley, um, who I would also probably proclaim as the GM of the year. I don't know. I'd have to. I didn't really. I didn't really think about it. That's not one of our categories. So we'll we'll maybe revisit that later. Um, but. Um, he was able to win two championships with his team. He was able to keep the team relevant. Um, he was able to um, like look at just players on the team who are no names who they've been able to fucking build. Uh, just even this year, um, you got your Tyler Hero, who who was a prominent draft pick, um, number thirteen overall. Bim and a bio number 14 overall. Um, but they've been able to build Bam to be a you know potential uh, uh, most improved player this season. Uh, and Tyler seems like he's going to be a really good player. Uh, he seems like he's a really good fit in this team. Um, but like you, you pick up dudes like Kendrick Nunn, um, you pick up dudes like Duncan Robinson, uh, you know. Like all of these players, and this is just recent recency bias, but they've been able to maintain relevancy even after losing LeBron, even after Dwayne Wade being hurt always and then leaving, even after Chris Bosh uh, getting uh, you know a career-ending injury, they've still somehow been able to maintain relevancy. And I know a lot of this has to do with. Um, Pat Riley being willing to give up any sort of assets, um, you know, to, to try to maintain said relevancy. Um, but nevertheless, they've been one of the constants um, throughout the entire league. I, I think Spolstra has a big part of that, and I think he's a fucking phenomenal coach. And I, I honestly don't think he gets as much credit as he deserves um, on, you know, any sort of normal basis. I That's who I'm going with. I think he's the best coach of the decade. I don't disagree either. Uh, I think my, I, I think me agreeing with you is a little biased because he's, I told you before the season started that I thought he'd be coach of the year this year. Um, that's right. You did. He's, he's making a great case. He's making a really good case. I think he's the front runner right now. Yeah, I'm completely with you. Um, but I went Mark Jackson, and that's purely because we talked Ooh. about how big Steph was for the decade, right? 
you could say Mark Jackson is a large reason why Steph, Clay, and Draymond are um, who they are uh, today. Uh, I'm not saying that Mark Jackson is responsible for Steph being a three machine. He was pretty much that coming out of college. Um, but how his game groomed, was groomed, how Clay focused on defense, how Draymond's focus was on defense. You saw that in that Spurs series. Um, you know, the the last year Mark Jackson coached him, you saw how hungry those three guys were um, and how Mark Jackson coached those guys up. Um, and then you see Steve Kerr kind of just took the keys and kept driving. Um, he's done a great job, but Mark Jackson, I believe, is the blueprint for uh, what those guys became. And those guys, you could say, have one of the all-decade um, teams. And I think a large part of that is Mark Jackson helped build that. Um, so I think he deserves a lot of credit for that, and I think he should be mentioned because it is a shame he is not coaching to this day um, for what he was able to help build in uh, in Golden State. Yeah, I I think the biggest detriment to him is that Steve Kerr came in and made them champions. I mean, I think that's right. – you know, if he had been able to see that team through, there's there's a very real possibility that they would have been champions regardless. Um, and then he would be kind of the the front runner of this conversation. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I I'm I'm glad you brought him up it, it, for no other reason. To I don't agree with you um, at all. I don't. I don't think I would even put him on my top three, but I'm glad you brought him up because he was quintessential into developing that team, developing Steph's game. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people say that Steve Kerr kind of unlocked Steph, um, which I don't, I don't vehemently disagree with. But I think that the foundation that was um, established via Jackson and that team was um, uh, very instrumental in Kerr coming in and and essentially taking them to a next level. Um, and right. that's why that's why I couldn't give it to Kerr. Kerr was my second pick, um, but I thought he just he got to build so much off of. Um, what Jackson had built that I couldn't pick him, uh, which is why I went right. with Spolstra. So I, I, the, I'm really glad you brought up Jackson. Um, but uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, best free agency signing. Um, th- there's a couple that stand out to me. I want to hear yours first. Kevin Durant. I mean, drastically changed yeah. the entire industry. It's easily Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant signing yeah. there made us say, well, we're just going to fall asleep till June. Like, why do we even care? <laughs> you know? Like, right. Going to Golden State would have been like if AD went and joined Kyrie and LeBron. Like, why are we even here? Like, just give them the championship. Let's call the day. Just stop doing this whole NBA thing. So I'm like, Kevin Durant easily is one of the best. Uh, let me not say best and like I enjoyed it, but the biggest um, free agent signee of the decade. Yeah, I would I would posit that the Kawhi signing, um, most recently in in LA is huge. Um, 
more so because it was coupled with the the Paul George trade. Um, I think that's really big. But like, as far as I agree with you, as far as just you know, <laughs> straight up signings. Like when they signed Kevin Durant, we were just like, all right, fuck it, throw in the towel. This is it. Um, <laughs> luckily, the Warrior or the the Rockets made it. Um, they built a team to try and do their best to to fuck with them. Um, and you know, still to this day, I I say that if you know Chris Paul doesn't go down with the hamstring injury, maybe history is different. Um, but nevertheless, that was the big one. That was it. Um, so I don't. I, yeah. I agree with you. I don't think we need to spend uh, too much more time on that. Um, best draft pick. This is going to be really interesting. I want you to go first again because I've got two um, that I think are just the dominant two. Um, but I, I want you to go first, and I'll. I'll I think you're going to pick one of my two, and then I'll I'll go off that. I 100% am. I'm going Joel Embiid. That was that was the best the best. Wow, draft. that is not mine. Oh wow, yeah, I'm going. And, and again, just not one of my two. I I probably didn't think it at the time. I probably didn't think it three years after the time. Um, right. I look at him today, and I go, if you're the Sixers. Like, remember all the scrutiny of, like, oh, he didn't play this year, he didn't play that year, he's so injury-prone. This guy is easily the most dominant player in the NBA when his feet are on the floor. And that, to me, a lot. A lot. And the biggest advantage I give Joel Embiid over someone like Anthony Davis would be if you look at what what he's been doing these past couple of years, you you don't go like well he has Ben Simmons well Ben Simmons is does nothing offensively like he's a great defensive <laughs> he guy. doesn't do anything to help Embiid <laughs> like right so I'm like if you think about it Embiid's carrying this team Anthony Davis couldn't really carry it. again again so, somewhat different circumstances but to me Embiid right. this guy lives up to being drafted as high as he was um, and if you're the Sixers best decision you made. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree there. I would say, to me, it came down to, and that would probably be my third pick. Um, to me, it comes down to two picks. Um, the Bucks drafting Giannis at number 15 overall, like, that is just crazy good luck on behalf of the Bucks. Like, I, I, I who the fuck could have perceive that a that he would have been this dominant and could have been like at any point in time the best player in the league um but like also how could he have fallen that far like how are scouts that bad at at, at looking at players <laughs> and I, I i think i think honestly you just look at like the 2017 draft um, as a recent example, um, because they took uh, uh, Fultz and Lonzo Ball number one and number two overall, and like I don't necessarily think that either one of those guys would be in the lottery. Um, and if you redrafted it, like maybe, but like they'd be late lottery picks at best. 
Um, there'd be way more guys that got picked before him. Um, but like with that particular draft and, and, and being such a controversial draft too, Anthony Bennett got taken number one overall, like, <laughs> uh, and then Oladipo was number two. Um, there were a slew of other draft picks that, that just didn't pan out or, you know, were okay, but aren't great. Um, the Giannis was the one, and he got drafted outside of the lottery by one pick, but still, um, it, that's amazing. That, that to me, um, is arguably the number one. The, the other one is Luka. Um, excuse me, Luka. Um, and the, the biggest reason that Luka is so um, uh, – th- that draft pick is so important and important impressive to me is that Dallas looked at Luca as their guy and they were like how can we get this guy and they were able to essentially say hey Hawks we know you want Trey Young um, he's going to be a bit available at five we will give you um, the number five pick and our first round pick next year top Five protected, I think it was. Um, if you give us the number three pick, so we can draft Luca. And in hindsight, that is a fucking robbery, um, as far as you know what you're giving up. Um, in order, you know, in, in lieu of what you're getting. Um, so I think that has to rank up there uh, as well. Uh, I would, I, w- I would cite Embiid. Honestly, I would. You know, just because of the luck factor um, of Giannis falling as far as he did, I might even put the Luka um, draft drafting uh, at number one just because uh, the, the Mavs had to be like, we will give up a future pick and we don't really care, um, you know, in order to get him. Um, and they did, and, it, and, and it, it's proving to be like, such a brilliant trade uh, for them, um, and you know, not that it's proving to be like super detrimental to the Hawks, but um, you know, because they want to trade Young anyway, and you know, it still it still makes me hate myself, um, but it's 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 fine, <laughs> but uh, but nevertheless. Um, I, I did. You know, you know how much I love Luca, um, but nevertheless, I I think that would probably be the number one for me as the Mavs, like being able to somehow trade up for the best player in the draft when they had the fifth overall pick. Um, that, that's just super impressive. It really is. It's fucking. It's brilliant. Um, so I I think I have to go with that. Any any uh, follow ups before we move on? No, you can't go wrong with any of those, um, like at all. Um, Giannis is the most impressive because just no one saw it coming. When you were talking about Giannis, first thing I thought was James Harden. Like James Harden, no one was really talking about, and he 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 produced almost immediately in OKC um, as a sixth man. That a lot of people were like, "Why is he not starting?" <laughs> like. You need to start this guy, like, immediately. And then to see what he's become, he's definitely one of those hidden gems, along with Draymond, along with Clay, 
Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're spot on with Giannis. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those three. I'd even throw in Trey Young. Um, I, I think a lot of people thought he was really good, but I don't think anyone thought he would be really, 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 really good. Like, he's so good. I don't think if you're a Hawks fan, you're like, man, I really wanted that Luka guy. I think you got a really good deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you got Trey Young, who I keep saying will be the best point guard in the East very, very, very soon, like next year soon. Um, so I'm like, I, I don't see where you really lost <laughs> lost in that. Um, so, you know, to me, I'm like, these are all hidden gems, really. Um, so you can't really go wrong. Yeah. That Giannis one, that, that's a great one, Nick. Yeah. I'll say this. I think as much as it pains me, I think I would trade Trey for Shea Gilgis Alexander straight up. I really do. You really like that kid. I tell you, you really like that kid. <laughs> I love Shay. I really do. And like, it pains me to say it because I love Trey too. But Shay is six foot six. He plays excellent defense. He's one of the best ISO shooters percentage wise in the league. Um, if you look at the numbers, like he is a fucking, like, great ISO player. Um, and, like, that's obviously what you want out of your best player. Um, I, I just think uh, I would rather have him. I would. Um, which is, I know it sucks to say. Um, I think a lot of Hawks fans would be like, fuck you. Um, and I get it. I, 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 dude, I love Trey. I really do. I love him. I just, I, 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 I would rather have Luca. I would rather have Shea. Um, and I'm sorry. Rather have, <laughs> I'm sorry rather that that's how I feel, Luka. but that's just how I feel. You rather having Luca? I, I I could never argue with 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 that, you know, because I kind of think it's LeBron or Melo. Like, who do you want? So I'm like, you mm-hmm. can't go wrong between the two. I don't know if I would I would lose someone as special as Trey. I think Shea. I think Shea's really good. Also, like I, I have no disagreements about how good he is. I don't know. My only thing up. with Shea is, my only thing with Shea is, um, he seems to be very good as far as like the secondary playmaker option off ball, and how good can he be as your primary playmaker? Um, yeah. So that would be my my main concern. Whereas. We know Trey can be this obvious primary playmaker. Um, like my 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 ultimate like super fantasy is that the Hawks would have taken uh, Luca at three and then traded up um, from nineteen with their millions of assets uh, to get to get up to what I think he was taking at eleven trade up somewhere in between that to get Shea. Like, if you had Shea and Luca on the same team, that'd be unstoppable. Like, it'd just be fucking, it'd be fucking great. Um, I, I live through this every day. I literally do. I, I think about it every day. Um, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's ever going to change. So, um, but no, I really do. I love Shea. I thought he was the second best point guard coming out of the draft. And I, as of right now, I think he's probably the best uh, point guard prospect 
um, coming out of that draft. I, I don't put him much ahead of Trey um, because of all the things that Trey is able to do. Um, but, like, just Shea's defense, like, it's so rare that you can win a championship with uh, a point guard who's has these complete defensive um, – this lack of defensive capabilities that Trey does, and it just scares me. It really does, because that's what that's my ultimate goal. I want to win a championship. I don't care how. I don't. I, I just want to win. I want to win. I fucking want to win. And uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know if Trey, as great as he is, I don't know if he's the the. I don't know if he has the defense to. You, you just. Put it this way: You have to compensate. You have to compensate Trey's lack of defense. He's put all these great defenders around him, and I think that's just such a hard task. I think it's really, really fucking hard. And I think a guy like Shea, it's just easier to find players on the offensive end, um, you know, rather than finding a slew of defenders who could shield Trey. I just think it's an easier path. Um, but nevertheless, um, I digress. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, uh, where were we? Best trade? Is that where we're at now? I think best trade. Uh, let me. Yeah, I think so because all we have left is trade and fight. Best trade, best the, fight. Uh, yep. Um, right. you want me to go first for best trade? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> to me, this is this is, this is easy. Uh, Kawhi, yeah, it, me too. Yeah, to the Raptors. <laughs> yep. Um, they want to absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so simple. If they hadn't won a championship, it would be up for discussion. Um, but because right. they did, uh, it is what it is. They traded for Kawhi and they won a championship. And uh, yeah, and look at what they gave up, like. Dude, they fucking gave up what Demar Derozan, who is widely considered um, like a what nuclear asset, like uh, an asset that is at best, um, you know, uh, slightly positive in value, um, but like not looked at as a very positive asset. Um, and uh, what they gave up um, – who else did they give up? Uh, Jakob Pertl, who I think is a a very good piece. He really hasn't got a lot of playing time because they move Aldridge to the five, and so he doesn't really get the necessary playing time. Um, I think he's um, like a very solid piece. I think I'd be interested with the Hawks if they – tried to, you know, maybe sign him in the offseason. Um, if they, you know, maybe have really scouted him uh, in, in his very, very low minutes um, throughout this and the last season. Um, but, they, yeah, you didn't really get shit in return. I think they also they also got a draft pick, which they took um, Keldon Johnson with. Uh, but that's all you got. For like arguably the best player in the league, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That is like one of the worst yeah. trade hauls ever. Um, and yeah, the Raptors on the other side won a championship with him. 
So, yeah, <laughs> that's got to be the trade of the decade. I think there's a lot of other candidates. We don't have time to go through them all, but uh, that has to be number one. All right. Yeah. I'm going to let you take it away because I really don't have a lot of people that I've considered for this, but uh, you wanted to include it. Um, so I, that would lead me to believe that you got a, a really good candidate that's going to make you be like, yeah, that's it. Best fight. All right, so this is between two. One of them are more recent. The other one was, I thought, the most funniest fight I've ever seen in in, in, uh, in this decade. <laughs> and that had when Rondo spit on Chris Paul. Um, and the only reason <laughs> yeah, why that's, that's, that's the one I thought such, about, too. Yeah, only reason that was such a great one was because that fight spiraled out and then didn't involve Chris Paul or Rondo. Like, Ingram just came out of nowhere and <laughs> punched the guy. Like, it was just so random to, what transpired from that. So you see Melo come out of nowhere, kind of like holding Ingram back, and then, like, LeBron walking Rondo. It was just – it was insane. Like, so it, my pick is between that, and then very quickly, it's definitely between Ben Simmons putting Carl Anthony Towns in the most realistic <laughs> headlock I've ever seen in my life. Like, that was insane. So those two have to be up there for best fights of the decade. Yeah, it's funny. Like, those are in the last two years. And when you posed the question to me, those were the two that I thought of too. Like, the, the Ben Simmons headlock and the spitting, uh, you know, from Rondo to CP3. Um, I don't – there's not a lot of fights that I can think of, like – throughout the past decade that could even come close to those. Um, so I guess that's good. Like we're getting better fights, you know, that happened throughout um, more recent uh, NBA games. Um, but yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I think to me, I'm glad you brought those two up because it gives me kind of the two that I thought up and the two that um, I was trying to, to, kind of pick between. Um, the reason that the Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns fight doesn't mean a whole lot to me is because, A, they're not going to meet in the playoffs. Like, there's no um, reality where those two teams meet in the finals. Um, and, uh, however, there is a very, very – um, possible reality where the Lakers play the Thunder in the first round, and God willing, I hope we fucking see it, man. I hope we see the Lakers as like the one or two seed play the Thunder as a seven or eight seed in the first round. Chris Paul facing off against Rondo again, like. Like just let's let let's see the spit fly. Let's uh let's see all of it. I I fucking would love to see it. Uh, what's up? I just remember. I just remembered also, Nick. I remembered the Jared Dudley Ben Simmons fight in the playoffs last year. That oh was, yeah, that was yeah, that, that was fun too. That was fun. Um, and there was definitely some shit talk. Um. I don't think it was as good as either one of the other two fights, though. Um, it yeah, it maybe more relevance, um, but they were they were just more um, 
there was more at stake, so they didn't, you know, really go at each other the same way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I want to see Chris Ball um, face off against the Lakers uh, in like a seven game series uh, and and have to go up against Rondo again. Um, I think it'd be super fun. Um, and you know, it, it, like I don't, I would not expect the Thunder to really challenge them. But if they could get like two games, like the way that uh, the Clippers got uh, two games against the Warriors um, last year, that would make it even more interesting. Where you know, essentially, we as um, you know, uh, the people who you know watch the games and. Uh, analyze the games like we we would have to be like hey maybe maybe what could happen blah 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 um i think yep. that would be a lot of fun and just maybe maybe we could get a little a little solid chippiness between uh old rondo and uh cp3 who hate each other um that'd be I'd, fun i'd like it i definitely have to say honorable mention because I think it's within the decade is definitely Mello versus Garnett in the Honey Nut Cheerios uh, gate um, <laughs> where Mello waits for Garnett in the parking lot. Like, that. that's all-time great. Like, that's not just decade. That's all-time great um, <laughs> because it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I feel like that was – I feel like that was – I feel like that was the last decade. I want to say it was 09, but – Maybe I, I I might be wrong about that. No, I think it was I think it was within the decade. I think it was definitely twenty. It was no Nick. It was because it was the year Mello was um was uh I told you the year Mello should have won MVP. I remember because everyone said no one's gonna vote for someone they think is a thug on the court, and that's what everyone viewed Mello as in that moment. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people said yeah. it, was, it was that year. It was that year. Okay, fair enough. Um, regardless, great show, man. I fucking love doing this recap with you. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, look forward to uh, the next year um, and what we have to offer as far as uh, NBA Geekly, but also uh, Geek Vibes Nation as a whole. Um, uh, any plugs you got, man? Uh, yeah. Uh, biggest plug I have is John Cena just followed us on Twitter. Um, so that's huge. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but besides that, stay tuned because me and Nick um, are definitely still going to do a Star Wars show. I wanted to wait till the Mandalorian was over so we could do both. Um, so we're definitely going to break down all that is good in Star Wars. So stay tuned for 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 that show. Excellent. Yeah. Um, that sounds amazing. I hope to be involved with that. And, uh, yeah, um, follow us on Twitter, on, uh, Facebook, on Instagram, all of those things. Uh, follow the podcast network on, uh, iTunes, uh, just wherever you get your podcast. Uh, give us a (laughs) five-star review. It'd be very nice of you to give us a five-star review. Um, we would love it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it'd be very, very kind of you. Um, but, yeah, uh, we will be back next year to uh, continue breaking down all the latest NBA news. So be sure to check us out uh, for that. Uh, and until then, peace. Peace.